This is the Permaculture Pimp Cast, episode five, y'all. Man, I'm really enjoying it. Okay, this is a pimp cast where we discuss permaculture from a pragmatic point of view. I'm Billy. And I'm William. That's right. And pimp means exactly what you think it does. Permaculture is my passion. How you doing, son? Pretty good. How are you? Well, I'm doing good, but um, I think I'm doing far better than you because I just worked out with weights and you just got done. Your second session of jujitsu, huh? Yeah, it was a lot better this time. I remembered to relax during the grappling session instead of being tense the whole time, so I didn't get beat up nearly as much. Well, folks, what you don't know is that last podcast, we literally... It was rough. No, he, we had to stop. No, no, the one before that, we had to stop so he could go out and throw up. It was rough. Yeah, yeah, so we left that part out. All right, hope everybody's doing good out there. Tip of the day, right off the bat, this is important. Look, there's a lot of people talking about um, preparedness right now, and that, and I really believe they should be. I've been very critical about the people that spend all their time on fear porn because they've realized on YouTube, guess what? I can get a ton of subscribers if I just sell fear, fear, fear. And a lot of these people, well, some of them I know personally, and I know they're frauds. So I've been critical about that. Um but I'm not going to be critical. I've been at this preparedness game for a long time, so I'm not critical about the notion of preparedness. I'm all about it. So regarding that, I got actually two tips today because I think they're important. Look, I understand freeze-dried food. It has its place, and it's a wonderful thing. But how many of us out there have the money to spend for that kind of food right now? So go back to that video. I don't recall the exact name of it, but I'll just kind of give it to you in a nutshell. It's, look, you can go to Sam's right now, and I think a month ago, it was 17 bucks for a 50-pound bag of rice. Okay, last time I looked, I think it was 20 bucks or real close to it. Uh, two bucks in just a month. That's significant. Also, rice. You can, I mean, I'm sorry, not rice, beans. You can get that still at a reasonable or as reasonable as you can expect right now with this inflation. You can get that too. Remember, don't forget your fats. Tip of the day. Look, I want everybody out there to have as much food as possible, and let's say preferably freeze-dried. Not everybody has the money for a freeze-dryer. Not everybody. Most people can't afford freeze-dried food. So think about the dry goods. That will keep you alive. And uh, look, this podcast, we keep it on the upbeat, but we're going to touch on the things that you ought to be concerned about. So naturally, everybody... uh, I'm not going to say everybody. A lot of new people are getting in this space. So I want you to know that despite what some people are telling you out there, that it's too late, you shouldn't do anything. I don't buy that. That's hogwash. Go out there, get what you need. Okay, second tip. The name of that video is low-cost emergency food storage. If you Google that, you'll find the exact video you were just talking about. Okay, okay, there you go. And that was... That's why I was quiet that whole time. Sorry, guys. Right, that was that was months ago. So it's gone up a little bit, but not that much. And we show you how to do it from start to finish. It was actually a year ago. Really? Okay, well, we've been at it that long. So second tip of the day, practice, practice, practice. Now, why am I saying that? I'm giving you two tips today. Um, look, if there's anything you want to get good at, I remember years ago when I was still in the army, I read Tony Robbins first book. I remember it was called awaken the giant within now Tony Robbins is, 
you know, a lot of people critic, they're very critical of the information he provides these days, but I'll tell you what, I got a lot out of it. And one of the things I got out of it is if there is a task you wish to learn, do it over and over and over again. And folks, that brings me into this podcast. I'm not a podcaster. You know, I have experience as a broadcaster that was live radio. And we're talking about a million people listening to you at any given time when I was doing that. And I'll be honest with you, I was pretty good at it, but podcasting is totally different. I don't, all of the radio cues and all the things you had to worry about, all the things you had to do, they don't apply here. So I absolutely, so far right out of the gates, I love this forum. But what I'm saying is we are going to do as many episodes as we can. Now we have a real life working farm. We do YouTube and all that stuff. But if I want to get good, really good at podcasting, then we're going to have to do it with some level of frequency. And we have, I think this is episode five, right? Yes, it is. So when did we start? It was like last week, right? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, yeah, we stumbled Maybe a over, week ago. Right. And I, and I like to think that, you know, from the first podcast to this one right now, I like to think that we've improved a little <laughs> I bit. I think we've made some improvements. Well, <laughs> the same thing applies on your farm, folks. If you want to get good at gardening, even if you're in a balcony apartment, okay, do it in the most humble circumstances as you can. Do it a lot. And like Teddy Roosevelt said, fail while daring greatly. So your place will never be among those cold and timid souls that know neither victory nor defeat. All right. With that said, son, we're going to get into the farm news. Okay. We had to take off. We had to take Nala to the vet today for her uh, backup appointment. Yeah. She had Lyme's disease. Along with something else. They said it was a very deadly kidney thing. That was, that's well, well, Nala is Michelle's little scruffy dog. She loves that dog. So that dog has almost died a few times and it looks homeless. Like yeah. no matter how many times you bathe it, it looks homeless. I'll You've you probably seen it in a couple of videos. We got tough animals, man. I mean, that dog's yeah. been snake bit a couple of times. Lyme OD'd disease. on multivitamins. Yeah, ate a bunch of vitamins. Your mom sat awake all night praying for that dog. I mean, yeah, that she's dog's tough. been through it. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, you know, we we picked up. We had to drive on the other side of town to go pick up these salve stickers. Um, and folks, I, that is a big thing for me. We had those little janky tags on our salve that we sell at our website. And I hated them, but we had to have something on there. And a lot of people were wanting this stuff, so we ran with it. But now we got some legit stickers I'm really proud of. But those people won't mail them to you. You have to literally go and go get them. And that's quite a drive when you got to go. Yeah, it's on the other side of Asheville. You're right. So that was every bit of a, I don't know, 70-mile round trip to go get stickers. You believe that? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, one other thing as far as farm news, man. And... um, you know, we got lingering projects just like everybody does. So do not kick yourself out there, folks. Well, you guys got the other, I got more comfrey harvested and you guys got the other side of the high tunnel rolled up. Right. But we tend to always focus on the things we didn't do instead of taking those little victories and put down a lot new, a lot of new bedding for cocoa. Well, that's good too. I mean, yeah, we're, we're getting cocoa. We're kind of got cocoa in a standing, not a standing position, but we're, we got to retool some things to get him on the kind of rotation we want. So that's something else that got done. But we, all of us, all of you out there that are, especially the people that are new to this, even your old hands, you probably kick yourself because you're like, man, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Maybe you have a day job. Of course, you got to spend time with the kids. And of course they got to eat and all these other things. And you may scrap out of a piece of a day, maybe 10 minutes to be able to do it, but it's 10 minutes further than where you were. So don't kick yourself about those lingering projects. And the last thing I want to talk about, son, is uh, something that happened. I know we keep things on a lighter note, but man, I got to point this out. I got to tell people out there, man, because we, 
We got to be praying for these folks. And the ones I mean specifically is I went to the local Ingles. If you don't know, it's like a grocery chain around here. And there's one in the town we live in. I had to go pick up some. Uh, it's basically like your price chopper. Yeah. It, it, well, there, depending on what region you're in, it could be a King Supers, anything like that. But it's a big chain here. And I am go up there. I see the guy at the deli. You know, he's always friendly, very affable guy. And I go up there and I tell him, hey, man, can I get a pound of this cheese? And um, yeah, that's one thing we don't grow here or make at this present point. Because mom doesn't want to milk cows. Yeah. Well, nobody wants to milk cows. So nope. we'll just trade for it. So. I go up to the counter and I tell the guy, yeah, I can get a, can I get a pound of this? And he's like, okay, which one, this one or the cheap one? I said, well, let me have the cheap one. He said, yeah, good. There's no difference between them. Then he starts up a conversation describing how all of these very elderly folks, man, the people, this guy's been working here for years and he's telling me, look, man, these people, you could almost set your watch to them, man. They would come in and they were already on a fixed income buying like a quarter pound of deli meat and maybe some some sliced cheese or whatever, and they would buy it by the quarter pound and you would see them once a week. So they would ration this stuff out for the week. He, being a very affable guy, would get to know these people. And then he was telling me about this Korea War vet and how this guy would go in there. He would always get the same thing every time. And then now he just waves as he passes by. And then as he talks with these people, he's realizing that many of them, look, I mean, everybody's talking about what's about to happen. Well, I got news for you. It's happening right now. But somehow we got... 80 some billion to send over to countries that couldn't care less about you and me. But meanwhile, I got grandmas and grandpas out there flipping coins, whether or not, you know, am I going to eat today or am I going to take my necessary heart medication? And I got to be honest with you, it breaks my heart. So we got to, we got to pray for these folks, but better still dreams and prayers must be implemented with deeds. So, um, William came up with a pretty good idea and how we can help, but we don't, we don't talk specifically about any of that stuff because you have your reward, right? Right. Thank you, son. Sorry, Dad. I was listening to what you were saying. I wasn't sorry. It's all good, man. It's all good. We're still participate. I'm still showing him how to I'm showing him the broadcast tricks, y'all, but he's coming <laughs> around. That's my son. Okay, moving on to other news. Um, and we like I said in these podcasts, y'all, we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about the news, but the state we reside in, according to MS or no, it's CNBC says North Carolina is number one for business in the United States of amnesia. How about that? That's a good place to be, I guess. Well, depends on <laughs> when you read that article, you come to find out, well, no, we're just really good at subsidizing companies that want to come in here. Um, mm. You know, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? I know where I stand and I'm going to say bad, but at the end of the day, yeah. So supposedly North Carolina is number one, but I want to get your take on this one, son. Bill Gates now owns a quarter of a million acres. Mike Adams pointed out earlier on his podcast that that amount of land is bigger than six of the smallest countries in Europe combined. He well, owns countries. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to be asking yourself, think about it. Where is he putting his money? Where are all the other billionaires putting their money? Is it in tangible goods? Is it in Bitcoin? Is it in cash? Is it in gold? What is it in? So you ought to be asking yourself that because obviously, you know, the powers that shouldn't be have connections to these people. And um, maybe you might want to ask critical questions. And we're going to cover some of those things as far as buying land, maybe in this podcast, definitely in future podcasts. And we've covered it before just a little while ago. What do you think he's planning on doing with the land? I wonder, 
I mean, nobody can know for sure, but I can't help but wonder if it isn't a way for him to hedge himself because I'm hearing a bunch of people out there saying, well, they're never going to let this thing fall apart because, you know, all these people have investments in these markets. They have this, they have that. Well, folks, I got news for you. They're all preppers. (laughs) Whether you choose to believe it or not, all of these billionaires are preppers by virtue of the fact of being a billionaire. They're prepping right now. (laughs) They have been. With that being said, maybe they know something that John Q. Public doesn't know because it's not just him. It's all these other people that are putting their money into tangible goods, into things you can touch. And uh, I'm a bit, I've am ai been a long believer of that um, just based on the study that we have done and based on the moves we make. I'm all about putting, you know, you got to ask yourself, is your money better? And I'm, I'm not giving you financial advice, but I have been hit up a bunch over the years and especially recently about financial matters and what we do about it. Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't have any money in the market and I won't have any money in the market. I put money in things that are of value, things that are, I go back to Joseph. How did Joseph do it in the Bible, y'all? With food. That's right. He put back food. And, um, you know, if you go back and look at that story, those are the cues I'm taking, that I'm taking my life from. And I'm looking at it and I'm saying, huh, he put back food. You know, you buy a birthright for, you know, food. Huh. All those Egyptians, they sold themselves. First, they got rid of the cattle and everything they had. Then they sold themselves into slavery. So it tells me up until that point they were free people, but they sold themselves into slavery. So ask yourself, where do you think real value lies? I'm not going to tell you where it is, but I'm going to tell you where we put it, or at least some of it. Some of it is in, you know, is there value in a fruit tree? I remember the homesteading pastor a while back had talked about how he and his wife, Robbie Lynn, had picked up some uh, discount fruit trees for like five bucks a piece. And I made the point on his YouTube page that um, for me, for me, if you just do the math on it, if just one of those, uh, let's call it 20 trees that they had, if just one of them takes root and you spent, let's say, 200 bucks for those trees, over the life of that tree, you will have made thousands and saved thousands, especially when you add in inflation. And it would only have to produce fruit for the first two years well, for it to make its money back. I mean, it would only have to produce fruit for two years for it to make its money back. Boy, that reminds me of something special. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. All right, y'all, we're going to get into water harvesting. Should have probably said that at the top of the show, but yeah, that's what this show... The topic of the show is water harvesting. Hopefully you read that description, y'all, because I think it's going to be on there. The title. Okay, yeah, cool. That's going to be the main topic, and of course, we'll get into Q&A. I really like the format we have. If anybody has, if you think it ought to be formatted differently, by all means, let us know. Yeah, we're definitely open to critiques and suggestions and all kinds of stuff. Um. What I want to get into with water harvesting, there's a number of other things. Um, the, um, you know, it's one of those things that we probably should have covered right out. If you're new to this podcast, y'all, we're doing a series of initial podcasts long before we get on any guests. So you at least see where we're coming from. And then in the future, when you hear somebody that might have an opposing view, which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that, um, you'll at least have a basis of where we're coming from. 
So in terms of water harvesting, this was also a question brought out by Jill. She is our de facto yeah. producer. We definitely owe, owe her a percentage. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is one of the ones, like I said before in the last podcast, she, um, man, she, she really hit it out of the park. And it was like, man, this lady is in my head, man. She's over here. She's looking at my notes. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of water harvesting, why does it even matter? Why are we doing a square? A, I almost call it a swale, swale. workshop. I was calling it in a square. Camden, Tennessee. July 30th to 34th or 31st. So right. Is that going to be in the show notes? Yeah, it'll be in the description down below folks. I've been really, and just for the record, we ain't getting paid for this. We're doing this as a job because we think it's cool. And plus John at SOSE is our friend. S O E. That's what I said, right? You said S O S E. Okay. Well, S O E S O E special operations equipment. Yeah, It's Check already it. hard enough to find his channel because he's shadow banned. Yeah. Like nothing I've ever seen. And I would imagine in the future, we'll probably be sharing a space with him <laughs> yeah. in the shadow in, in the, in the outer realm yeah. on YouTube. But, um, that's one cool thing about this podcast. Plus we can go into great detail, but anyway, we're doing that at his place because everybody forever and a day has been asking, what does a swell look like? What, how do I make it? Yeah, Look, and a lot of people don't understand there's a ratio to a swale as well. And then also the back cut in the J is a really difficult aspect to describe, really. Like, the, especially the J cut. You don't understand what that is until you've actually seen one. Right, and the cool thing about a swale is that, first of all, for those that are new, it's a water harvesting ditch. When I say on contour, I know a lot of people don't get that. Just look at it like this. If you have a slit in the ground, a cut in the ground, and the water goes in it, and then it runs right back out, well, that's not a swale. What it is is a level ditch, and what it does, it captures water. And then when it captures that water, it does so many magnificent things. It takes that water, and it leaches through the soil. It leaches through the mound. It goes down and ultimately to an imperial, I can never say that word, an impervious layer. And Yep. I got it right that's this it. time. Yeah, that's it. Right. And so what you're going to notice on the downhill side is that once it becomes saturated, guess what you get down? Guess what you get down the hill from it? You get water. It seeps through the ground. It refills your aquifers. It does all of these magnificent things. But what else is a good force? Well, huh? It's also a nutrient trap. So if you're grazing animals like uphill of your swale and then it rains and all that water that sheds down from uphill into your swale it captures those nutrients and is a slow release fertilizer for your trees if you planted them downhill of the mound right. or on top of the mound right and that's exactly what we're going to do there so we're going to put those trees on the mound in some cases you can even put them down in the ditch yeah like if you're in an arid environment you definitely want to plant your trees down in the ditch because that's where your trees need to be there i mean you're only getting one rain event so they're not going to drown from that they're going to benefit from it and that's what you want, folks. So you want to know exactly how to set this up. Well, we're going to be teaching that. And we have a lot of experience in doing that. Um, in fact, if you go back and watch one of the YouTube videos when William was getting married in uh, Texas, our property was nearby that we still own. And we basically neglected that place for two and a half years at that time. Yeah, we haven't done a single thing to it in two and a half years. And we're talking drought in Texas that lasts four months. Yeah, the whole summer basically is drought. Right. I mean, in 100-degree weather. And what, what happened there? That place is absolutely thriving. And how long yeah. would it take, how long from your expert eyes, how long would it take to put that place back into action if you had to? Well, I was saying a day with like two people and two machetes. In a day, you could probably bring that back into full production. You right. could chop back the nitrogen fixers, depending on the time of the year. You could go ahead and chop back the nitrogen fixers, open up some sunlight, 
because some of those trees are pretty big and some of those trees like uh self-propagated it's it's astonishing when you go back there and see it it is a testament to what a swale can do because every last one of those trees and those weren't big swales those were those were one foot by three foot swales some of them those were well yeah and then there were larger ones in the back but in the swales that were smaller were the oldest ones right and they are doing you you can even go back and watch that video i don't know that you can link that in here but they work yeah that'll be linked in the description now swales and swales don't work in every environment son no, not in steep terrain like where we live. We would have to be careful where we put a uh, swale. Um, there's places where you put swales and there's places where you put terraces. And a lot of our terrain is steep. So you want to make sure, you know, that it makes sense. We do have an option for a swale, which we got to, we kind of got it quasi designed in where that swale can also lead into a pond. And how cool is that? Because. Son, what are we doing out there? There well, is a pond yeah. existing. So there is a pond already over at SOE. It's a ridgeline dam, which you can do, and it definitely works, but you have to have a swale connected to it. Right now, it does not have a swale connected to it, and it's not filling up very well. So what we're going to do is gonna connect a swale to the ridgeline dam, and rarely do you get to do this after the fact. You know what's really cool about all that is that when you do something like that, when you put your swale in connection with your pond, think about this. Now, imagine this for a moment. You have a pond. Now, let's say it sits there in isolation. And by the way, we're going to get into that also. You want to situate as much water as high in your landscape as possible. You will be so thankful you did. And um, that's at the highest point in his landscape. Absolutely. But so they did that by right. By saying this, you're going to be able to fix any pond that you encounter whenever you're buying property. Or let's say you've dug it in the wrong place and it's not really filling up. If it's leaky, you can still counteract that with by adding a swale, by adding additional water. And it acts as a spillway. So you can actually t- connect two ponds that are on the same contour with the swale. That's, I mean, and, it's I mean abs- and, and then you know what I really think is cool about that is that you can make something of a spillway into from the swale into the pond. And from and if the pond gets too full, you can actually have that pond backfill the swale and run out that way. Right. I mean, it's a beautiful system. It gives you the option to put water wherever you want to on the property. And also, some of you guys are thinking, well, my property is pretty flat. I can't do swales. You definitely can. Your property is no never matter too what. flat. Yeah. yeah, no matter what. I mean... It can be too steep, but it can't be too flat. Right. And it's got contour weather. Unless you're li- living in the Bonifield salt flats, believe me, you got contour on that property. If you think it's flat, trust me, it has... Even if you think it's perfectly flat, it is not. There's always a way to do that. So that's exactly... Look, we're not... Like I said, we get absolutely nothing. In fact... It's going into the next festival, isn't it? Well, as I understand it, yeah. I mean... The goal was is basically to get enough people to sign up uh, one way or the other. We're, whether if nobody showed up at all, we were still going to be out there. Regardless, John needs a swale. That's right. We're putting in a swale. Actually, three. Yeah, that's right. We're going to be putting those in. But the beauty about all this is that you can use this to capture this water, put it down in the landscape. Most, And then also, like William said, as a nutrient trap, you're putting organic matter down in the soil. And what does that enable you to do, son? Well, I mean, you can expand your tree line as the years progress. You can expand your tree line downhill of the mound as the years progress. As that water builds up, as that nutrient, uh, you know, the nutrients in the soil build up, all that. Well, what it's also doing is that for every 1% of organic matter you oh, put into bad. that soil. No, you no, did fine. I understand what you're talking about. Now. Yeah, that's that's 
what I'm getting at is for every 1% of organic matter you put down in that soil, for every acre you are putting in the equivalent of an Olympic-sized swimming pool just with 1%. You know, one thing I didn't think about until now, but they're going to, at the workshop, they're going to see how to graze animals in between soils as well, creating silvopasture. That's because he has he has animals there that do graze. And that's the beauty about doing a course like this is that not only are you going to learn, okay, hey, look at this pond. How does it tie into a swale? How do I put water down into my soil? How do I keep it on the landscape? And also, how do I silver pasture? Or you could even alley crop in between these swales. We've Pigs done it. would be perfect back there. I mean, not on the mound or any. I mean, you guys will. I mean, while you're there, we're going to obviously discuss it. And you'll see exactly what we're talking about and our thought process behind grazing animals around swales and unlike those purple permaculture people out there these are things we've actually done and right. do i mean these aren't experimental to us these are things we've done and um you know it's it's not pie in the sky theoretical whatever blah 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 blah. nothing we've ever done before we've made mistakes and, and look if you're thinking well i don't have a property big enough for a swale i got news for you one of the swales i did at one of the earliest videos we did on youtube yeah was this permaculture was back at, at work. work. Yeah, permaculture at work. Dad hand dug a swale. Swales. Swa- plural. <laughs> he hand dug some swales. <laughs> but they were, what, six inches by one and a half feet? No, they were about a, they were a foot deep, two feet wide, I think. And I did them all by hand, working 12 hours a day. Yeah. And literally living. And recorded, which, you know, at least doubles the time, especially back then when we weren't even good at it. Not that we are, you know, no, much we better were, than I mean. No, we were, we were good at it. We had already... We weren't good at it. That was experimental for me, doing it by hand. No, no, no. I mean recording. Oh, I got you. Okay, yeah. yeah we, we were are, good at swales. We got that part down. Yeah, we know what we're doing on that. We've even built some ponds. I wish we had a YouTube. Yeah, I wish we had a YouTube channel. Yeah, man. How cool would that have been? Back so, in, if we started in Kansas, dude, recording back then. I'm telling you what, man. Yeah, people would be, they would be floored at some of the projects we didn't record. But let's talk about how that water or when energy We'll just call that water energy for now because it could be in the energy, any energy that comes into your property. Now, we're going to focus in on water, but it could be sunlight. It could be anything. You only have really three choices. You can amplify it, you can deflect it, or you can capture it. You've heard me, if anybody's watched our YouTube, you've heard me talk about this, but can you do all three? Yes, you can. Now, that's one of the many big projects we have planned out here for um, you know, high atop Billy's jungle palace of love out here. Okay. Dad. Yeah. But okay. anyway, that's one of the big problems we had, not problems. That's one of the big projects we have out here. Now think, how would you do that? Okay. So if you have a swale, you're capturing it at least for a little while. Right. Um, you know, as far as deflection, let's say you had those things like, let's say it's a road. Okay. Well, hold on. You can increase these amount of storage in your swale by adding a carbon layer. So like mulch or straw or something like that. Right. We'll cover all that or even in the class. Like decompose leaf litter. Right. You can, we'll do all that and we'll cover a lot of that in the class too. And, but in this particular case, in as far as being able to do all three, imagine you have a road surface. Okay. And you have rain, it comes down, it's going to run off that surface. So you want to be careful about which way that road is angled. Or you could take, um, you know, road guards or whatever, angle that stuff into a way. Let's say you angled that, so you're deflecting it, and let's say it goes into a swale. Okay, now that swale fills up, and let's say it goes into a pond. Okay, so you captured it for a little while. How could you amplify that? Okay, so you got a pond, which in many cases, in most cases, you're probably going to have a pond or a dam wall. Well, guess what you have in that pond? You have potential energy. So you could do like a, you could do a Greg Judy thing 
where, and I don't know why he hasn't done this. Maybe he just doesn't know about it. But when you have in Greg Judy's case, where he has ponds, where they have um, a pipe sticking up through the pond, you'll have to read his book to find out the full extent of how he does it. But you have a pond and you have a spout coming basically out of it. Well, you have a lot of potential energy in there. So how could I amplify it? Could I use the water coming out of that to turn, let's say, an inline turbine that could charge your batteries? Could I use that to even run a water wheel? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You could flood a spillway, which is what they do. Usually they dam up creeks and stuff. But depending on how low your pipe is, how low your spillway is, and how much your pond can store, right? you, know, so you could have a decent amount of pressure. So instead of just amplification, deflection, and capturing this water or any other energy there... Think about how, remember, this is permaculture. We want to put things in collaboration with one another. And depending on how steep your terrain is, you could have that the same water used multiple times in that same order. Well, that brings me to another thing. You, Well, you're, you're jumping to another area in which I really want to cover, and it's gray water. Yeah. I mean, as far as water capturing and what's going on in this world, think about And so we've got a project coming up here before long, which means retrofitting what's going on in the house. Right. Yeah, so, redirecting the gray water. So if there is, and we have access to some extent to like our sinks and tubs and showers or the big thing that we're going to do right off the bat is going to be, we have in this house, we basically have, there's parts of it that are poorly designed. Well, they have the washer and dryer inside the bathroom when you go downstairs. Well, it would make better sense for us to make that a full shower, a full bathroom instead of having the laundry inside there and have like a half bath. So what we're going to do is basically take that washer and dryer, make them stackable, get them out to the garage, have as small a footprint as we can. And now we can redirect the water coming from that washer, which is significant. Yeah, it really is significant. And we could take that and also the stuff coming from, you know, the sinks in the kitchen. Yeah. If we got the stuff from the washer, the stuff from the washer, the showers, the sink from the kitchen. And redirected that and made it go through. We could have it go through a reed bed, or we could just use it directly if we wanted to. But if we used it directly, it would have to be used on trees. Right. And it kind of stinks right off the bat when you do it that way. So if you can run it through and kind of filter it through a reed bed, that's going to help. It doesn't stink at all after the reed bed. But that's another source of water, y'all, especially for those of you that are living in places where water is sparse. Now, we live in a temperate rainforest. So as of right now, water comes relatively easily. Well, you were talking about reusing gray water. One way that Earthship does it is uh, you capture the water as rainwater. You use it as drinking water and like washing water first. And then it goes into your gray water bed, which waters your vegetables and whatnot. And then from there, it goes into your toilet tank and you flush with it because you don't really need clean water to flush. Right on. Yeah, you don't need clean water to flush. And then from there, it goes into your septic. So you're using the same water multiple times. You're not just wasting it. Right. So the whole model that we have is already screwed up. Now, there are certain places like uh, where I grew up in Oklahoma, nobody has a basement or in many cases, not even access to your pipes underneath. So if you didn't already engineer that in, then it's something of an engineering challenge. But in a case like us and many of other places out there where you do have access, you can't get everything because in the... In the uh, second floor, I don't know that we can necessarily get, um, with a second floor, I don't know that we can necessarily divide those pipes without tearing up a bunch of sheetrock. It might be possible, but the idea here is taking all of that gray water and instead of it, instead of it going straight into the septic, forget that, man. We're going to save that stuff. We're going to use it. And we could even put a, a solar DC pump on that bad boy and water... 
I mean, we we really don't really need to water anything around here. If we yeah, we don't really need to water anything. But if we ran it through a reed bed and then have it, had it go through like a riparian for a pond, right? But I by mean, and we large, could fill a pond just from gray water. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. yeah, we absolutely could. But because we do a lot of these methods and they're permaculture methods, because we do so many of them, by and large, we really don't. Um, Oh, we don't we need could. to water most things. I just thought of something we could do. We could put it in a pond and then use the pond higher in the landscape than the high tunnel and use it to water the high tunnel. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's an easy solution. Right. But you got to think about these things. You got to think them out. So as far as your water, um, man, I mean, the stuff coming off the side of your house, you can put it in tanks. You could even do something of a manifold, which is something else. I mean, it's another one of our big projects. Not only putting cisterns high in the landscape and doing it a lot like Justin at Metcalf Mills, the way he does it. All of his water comes from cisterns up the mountain. Yeah, his his water is spring-fed. Right. Spring-fed mountain water. You could even, you could collect that stuff on the side of your house, barn, every structure you have. Have it go into something of a holding tank. You know, if you can even get one of those ones, they got these big bladders you can put underground now. Right. How cool is that? So you could take that water and whether it's gray water, whether you have a gray water tank, whether you have a fresh water tank, no matter what it is, you could take all that, especially in these crazy, crazy times, even if it's just your roof water. If that's all you can do, folks, you better be thinking about redundancy. We don't we don't offer problems out there without giving you at least two solutions. Well, you've been given a right. number already. Yeah, there's a number of solutions right there. Well, um, what about like. So there's a lot of corn dying in Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, they're large monocrops as well. Well, son, you don't even have to go as far as the land next to us. I mean, if you would do an aerial view of our property and then the one nearest to us, um, to the east, and you would look what you could, you could see a side-by-side comparison of what overgrazing looks like compared to responsible grazing. Right. You could also see how water falls on that landscape and how it's kept there. And even we haven't even finished all of our earthworks, not even close around here. No, yet. we really haven't. I mean, maybe step one. Yeah, yeah. We, we haven't even gotten anywhere because on our high tunnel, all that water is designed to funnel out at a certain place. And then from there, ultimately, there will be a swale that it captures into and then it'll go to ponds. It'll be a fantastic demonstration site one of these days. Not yet, though, but yeah. we're getting there and we're showing you the journey on YouTube along with this. But son... Thinking about this in a in a more macro view, like you said, we have things in Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas. I mean, all the growing belt right now is suffering in the most massive way. Right. Now, what are some of the ways in which, well, first of all, if they weren't just plowing nonstop up there, if they did, folks, I'm, I'm reticent to say, I don't want to tell anybody how to do things, but there are methods in which you could keep a lot of that moisture in the soil. Yeah, there are confirmed methods of growing like large quantities of crops um, correctly. That's drought resistant. Right. And we're actually going to be doing more. We're going to be getting more and more education on how to do that very thing with other means. We're not going to talk about it just yet. But look at all the um, look at all the droughts we have going. What are some of the chief ones that we have going on right now, son? Well, Deep South, they just recently did a video on drought. Uh, Lake Mead is also at the lowest level ever. I think ever. they're solving crimes. Yeah. and <laughs> how solving much... crimes out there by Vegas. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lake Mead's drying up and you're finding out, you know, when Vegas became a mob hangout back yeah. in the day. 
yeah, maybe they'll find Jimmy Hoffa down there, but you have Lake Mead drying up. You have California in unbelievable drought. In fact, Eric Sider, good friend of mine, good friend of the family. He has a YouTube channel, by the way. Yep, called Eric Sider, and he hasn't done a whole lot as of late, but he's out there. He's doing he's doing a project, and hopefully one of these days we'll get him on the show because he is a wealth of knowledge and so many. He's done projects all over this globe, and um, I remember him telling me in a conversation that if he were governor, I remember asking him. I said, "Okay, Eric, let's say you were running things out there. How would you? Could you fix that problem?" It was a rhetorical question, but I said, "Well, could you fix that problem in California? How would you go about it?" He says, "Okay, if I was governor, we would treat this thing like the Manhattan Project." I would have tractors. I would have earth movers going day and night. We would capture every bit of rainfall, every bit of moisture that lands on the surface of California in every way possible. We would be capturing this. We'd be putting it back into our aquifers. We'd be putting it in the ponds. We'd be putting it in the swales. And one of these days I hope to have him, but look, these are solvable problems. I mean, if Jeff Lawton, Son, I want you to go into this a little bit. If Jeff Lawton can literally green the desert, what can't be done? Right. Yeah. He greened Jordan, which is below sea level and highly like alkaline. There's a ton of salt in the soil because they use those nitrogen salts uh, to fertilize back in the day for palm oil, I believe. But even at his own place. So the year before I went, they went through a hundred year flood event. The year I was there, they were going through their hundred year drought event. Everything was green on Jeff Lawton's property. You could see the surrounding area was all brown. The neighboring cows were mooing because they could see the green grass on our side and didn't have access to it. Everything was green at Jeff Lawton's place except for the... And nobody... What killed me was that the surrounding area could see that Jeff Lawton's place was green and wouldn't adopt his principles. I wonder why people don't do the same thing with Jeff Lawton and Joel Salatin and... You know, Alan everybody around Joel around. Salatin, nobody around Joel Salatin follows what Joel Salatin does, even though there's a vast difference in their product. I can't. I mean, it, it, it's astonishing, really, folks. And these methods aren't that difficult. They're not that hard. So think about all these different ways in which you can capture this water on your landscape. Look, there's so many more that we could get into. We could talk about. Actually, we could do probably five programs alone on water. Water harvesting techniques. That's uh, I think that's a chapter in the PDC oh, or permaculture yeah. design. Maybe it's definitely there, man. A lot of it's talked about with water because water is life. It really is. Okay, we're going to get into the Q and A next. All right, y'all, if you got any email questions out there, obviously email me at billy at permapasturesfarm.com. Or at permapasturesfarm at gmail.com. I'll help share that load. Dead. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so if you got one for him, go to that one. Go to billy at permapasturesfarm.com to hit me. And I want to thank all the people out there that submitted so many questions. We, of course, can't get to them all, but I'm getting, I want to focus on the ones that a lot of people have, okay? Um and by the way, you know, just kind of hitting on the thing we talked about before, son, I just want to cover on this just for a moment, is we were talking about what we did back in the day, and we wish we had a YouTube channel back then. Well, I was reticent. I didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, but, it took me like a year to convince you to start one. Yeah. It took a while. I wanted absolutely 
nothing to do with any more radio, anything. There were some bad experiences there, things that I can't really talk about publicly, but I'll put it this way, y'all. Working in that business, I, I found out just how slimy the whole thing is and how much is dictated or how much they try to dictate from on high. So I was pretty content to like, okay, well, I'll just retire at 48 and um, we'll just kind of ride off into the sunset. Actually, it would have been <laughs> earlier than that. Um, you know, I mean, my, my, my plan was at that time was we were just going to go ahead and build that place in Texas and uh, yeah. ride off into the sunset doing what we do and just kind of be invisible. You talked me into it. I went, I went into it kicking and scratching. And honestly, I'm glad I did it because, frankly, folks – you're the reason why I'm so glad. Um, I'll be honest with you. I would not have met so many of the awesome, astonishingly wonderful people out there. I, I mean, the list yeah, is too had long. Yeah, not been for this platform, we would have been missing out, really. Well, if it wasn't for YouTube, not 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 this platform, but YouTube in particular. So I'm thankful well, for that. Yeah. Even though, you know, who knows how long your shelf life might be in that platform, So, which is part of the reason why we started this. So it seems funny that for somebody that didn't at all want to do this, that here we are, we find ourselves doing this. We're doing a podcast now. I'm enjoying it. I'll be honest with you, man, because it really, one downside of being able to do YouTube is that you can't go into any kind of great detail. Um, You just can't do it because there's so much more editing and we're doing this essentially in one take. And nobody has like an hour to sit down and watch something. You can do other things while listening to a podcast. Well, and then part of the podcast, see, I was thinking the podcast thing before him and I didn't want to get into it at first just because of the fact, well, no, you didn't want to get into it because we I already have much. Well, I didn't know how much time it was going to take to actually edit the podcast. I mean, everybody like it's just us. Well, it's just us working on this, like behind the scenes and stuff. We don't have any outside hired help or anything like that. We are doing everything. Yeah. Like if you order comfrey, we dug it up. If you ordered bone sauce, we made it. Like our hands touched all of it. Right. And bone sauce is a laborious process, man. So right. that's why, you know, I work on it a little bit. And then once I, I mean, everything has to be perfect when you make that stuff. Otherwise you just burned a pile of money for nothing. I mean, I almost did it the other day, man, when I got that heat a little bit hot, but. And the time it takes to make it. Right. So when we do all this stuff, it's, I was wondering how, are, how on earth are we going to fit this in? But like that saying goes, you want something done, give it to a busy person. So we got it done. Well, we've been, we're getting it done. And I got to say, it's a joy, man. I don't know how many are ever going to listen to it, but it's cathartic to be able to do this. And I know that some people are being helped by it. So folks do us a favor out there. Um, please leave a review on whatever platform. I think Apple podcast might be the only platform you can leave a review on. Um, somebody mentioned that they couldn't leave a review on the Spotify one, but Whatever pa- platform you're watch or listening on, please leave a review and like and share the podcast if you like it. Please do. Um, I guess it helps us. I mean, tell everybody else out there, if we're not making any money on any of this, and that's really not the reason to do it. I just want, I get all these questions, and I'm like, man, I can either respond to every single one of these questions, and no matter the response, I don't have the time to put in to give you an adequate response. So that's well, where this platform is. Do okay. we have questions this week? Yeah, we do. We got tons of questions, okay. but we're going to kind of, we're going to single it out. We got one from Sherry. Um, I'm not going to give your last names, folks, so anybody worried about that sort of thing, unless you give me permission to do so, I will. So I'll have to kind of encapsulate it. Um, they're basically on one and a half acres right now. They got a couple of kids. 
Um, the grown-up husband's about to retire. She got out of the rat race a while ago. And, um, you know, the kids are spread out. They would love to be in close proximity, but I guess the kids live in places like San Diego and the other one's in the Navy. Oh, man. In Chicago. Wouldn't want to be there. Nope. And the question is, basically, um, they're thinking whether or not they should relocate. They've heard rumors that, hey, if you haven't done it, it's too late. And she asked, you know, I hope this isn't true. So should we go ahead and try to make this property work and grow food? Or should we buy land? How much land? Okay, we're going to kind of hit into that a little bit. I would still try to relocate. I mean, it's not too late. Like, it's... um. Like a lot of people are trying to sell you on it's too late if you haven't already done it. It's not too late. You can still buy land. It's going to be, you know, a little bit more expensive right now, but you can still get it done. Or if you have the means, maybe you can buy the land and then slowly move into it. But I see it a little bit different. So just because we're father and son doesn't mean we're going to always see things exactly the same. Now, you're living on one and a half acres. Do you have any idea how much you can grow in terms of food on one and a half acres? Yeah, you really can. I mean, that is an enormous piece of property if you stop to think about it. If you layer things and put them where they belong. That one property in Texas had that two-acre plot with the orchard. Oh, yeah. It had uh, chickens, chicken tractor on steroids, and sheep running through it as well. All at the same time. two acres, and that's that's, uh, protein production, that's fat production through the eggs, and that's your carbs through the trees and stuff. And you that wasn't even fully uh, designed. Right. And that, that was, wasn't even full production. Well, if we had the sole design, uh, say so, on that particular property, it would have well, been yeah. way more. I mean, that could have been the most productive piece of property in East Texas. Refer to episode four. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, on that one and a half acres, um, unless you just feel compelled to move, um, one thing we've done is, or one thing we did in the past has been, Go ahead and buy a new piece and then move out there when you're able. Do it when you can. But you're talking states away. So if your concern is, I mean, can you grow enough food and how much? I mean, those are things where we're going to use that typical permaculture answer. It depends. Well, you could also do both. You could practice on that one and a half acres because there's a lot you can practice on that one and a half acres while you're looking for a like a place to relocate to. Oh man, heavens to Murgatroyd. You got a lot of land there, folks. I mean, you really do. I mean, yeah. if there was that, I, I keep forgetting the name of it, but you could probably do a, a internet search and find them. But there was this guy with three of his kids and I think he's since uh, passed away, but he was out there on, I think, I think it was a third of an acre and they were producing 6,000 pounds of food basically yeah. doing it all on that one third acre. And it was highly productive. And remember, the smaller the square footage of the plot, the higher the yield per square foot. Because that's more of an area you can spend, uh, you can pay attention to. But I can't possibly answer. Um, there, there are certain factors that we can't possibly tell you whether or not. I mean, I could tell you what I would do. If I were in your situation, I mean, there's so many variables there to, to say for sure. But honestly, if I were in your position... I think I would get really, really, really good at where you are. Find out every single thing you can plant in that place. Get really good at it. And then if you feel the compulsion to leave, or maybe you're in a place, you're on one and a half acres, so I'm guessing that the people around you might be on similar plots, or maybe you're, you know, if strategically it doesn't make sense, then there's such a thing called strategic relocation too. Yeah, I would practice while you're looking for a place to move to. There you go. Um so, yeah, that's uh, that's the best answer I can give without having all the details. So we're going to move into Jill once again. Um, 
man, she boy, she hit it out of the park with these questions. Yep. So I think she wants some honey, Dad. That that stuff that we don't sell. Yeah, that isn't for sale. Jill, email me your address, and we'll go ahead and hook you up with some of this pimp drip honey. Yeah. All right. So, um, and like I said, there's the <laughs> reason I'm. Pun. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about with uh, Jill. She. See, the thing is, is that it's not just Jill that answer asks these questions. There's a number of others, believe it or not, that have. Um, Jill was asking um, marriage and pan, per, uh, parenting advice on the homestead. Okay, there is such a thing as a permaculture divorce. In fact, I know some people that are in the middle of one right now. People that, frankly, I didn't really expect this to happen to. And so... Yeah, yeah, really didn't expect that. No, Um so there is such a thing as a permaculture divorce. There is such a thing as, you know, you get so tied up in the work that you lose your kids along the way. And frankly, when I was chasing that brass ring for so long, I mean, it's literally the Lord answered prayers I hadn't even asked yet. And those prayers being, you know, you, you want the best for your kids. You, and when you're not there, when you're, when you're not, when you're absent, whether from work or otherwise, um, you know, it opens up the door for other influences and people and maybe ideas that you didn't want put into your kids to open. So that's exactly part of the reason why we work as a family now. I mean, is it all peaches and cream? No, no, we still argue. I mean, it's still, you know, be realistic. Yeah, but at the end of the <laughs> it doesn't day, work flawlessly. Well, there was a guy named Josh Tolley wrote a book called Evangelpreneur and, um, he makes a pretty comp- convincing case. I mean, think about this. Okay, you get up in the morning if you have a regular nine to five. You go do that job. Okay, let's say it's eight hours. Well, let's say it took an hour or 30 minutes to get there. Same thing getting home. The best part of what you have to offer for that day has been given to strangers. And then you offer what's left to the people you love most. Is that the way it should be? That's a good point. I mean, every single aspect of this, of the way everything's structured these days is awful. So, you know, with that information and a lot of information I got from Robert Kiyosaki, Dave Ramsey, a number of other good teachers out there, I realized, you know what, the best, I mean, the best decision I ever made, and we did it with the understanding that, you know, we may wind up living in poverty and whatever the case was at the end of the day, it meant the world to me to be able to do this with my family. And also if you have a legit product for sale, you can still send us a shirt at PO box two zero nine eight Mars Hill, North Carolina, two eight seven five four. If you send us a shirt and like a description of your product and show that it's, you know, a legit product, we will promote it for you. There you go. Very few people have taken us up on that. Although there have some been there have been some insane things people have sent in. Well as a little quality is yeah yeah so give us a brief description of what it is what you do a way to get to you and all that kind of stuff folks we we are trying we are leading by example in that way we try to promote that's why every sunday i try to talk to some homesteader that maybe nobody else knows about that's doing pretty cool and astonishing stuff through all spectrums that's what we do in the youtube thing and then through here i intend to do the very same thing so um hey son that's a you just got me thinking dude we are we are we've only got five we're five podcasts in, and we are without mm-hmm. the number one podcast in Mars Hill, North Carolina, on the planet. <laughs> and believe it or not, I'm sure we're not the only podcast in North Mars Hill, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, going back to the marriage thing, folks, I mean, I'm glad William took us for a little side trip there regarding, you know, the people that have hit us up. Because the people that have, 
you know, honestly, when we give you shout outs and stuff like that, there are other people out there. We're trying to build this economy between us all. It's not just us selling bone sauce, comfrey, comfrey salve. And, and by the way, as a little side note, before I get back to this question, there's a number of others. Um, I think when we hit about 50,000 and then as of late, out of the woodwork, everybody in the great grandmother hitting me up these companies. I don't know how they got a hold of me, but they found us and they're offering all kinds of crazy offers. Now I will say if it is not a company that I sought out, there's almost zero chance that I'm ever going to promote anything they're doing. Now I don't, I don't have the same regard when it comes to the people that are listening to us or fellow homesteaders or otherwise. So if there's some, and you got to be legit. If I look into you and you're a fraud, well, you you know, that's not going to work out, but you know, I'll tell people what you're doing and we'll be glad to promote it. So back to your question regarding uh, marriage and parenting advice, try, and it's worked for, my life has gotten immeasurably better when I started seeking ways to work with my family, even when we weren't making a dime. I mean, life to me was much, much better. We spent a lot of time on YouTube before we even made a dime from YouTube. And it was not with that impression. I mean, and, no. and frankly, YouTube doesn't hardly pay anything. I mean, yeah. you consider the work you put in, you get nothing for it. So the idea was to put this information out there, um, hoping that it would be a blessing to others. And at the same time, maybe we get to meet other people because when you live this life, you live a pretty solitary existence in the way we do it. I mean, we're not in anybody's suburbs or anything. So we've always lived very, very rurally, typically on dirt roads, typically in a place where nobody wants to live. And you don't get a whole lot of in human interaction when you do this, unless you got a day job, which, you know, I mean, we've, we've been in that position as well too. Yeah. So, and this is a lot more fulfilling. Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, as far as parenting advice, let me back before I cover into that, be mindful also when it comes to marriage and this lifestyle, you may not have a spouse that's on board or you may have those love goggles out there. You didn't read Doc Love's book and then you wound up instead of a homestead honey, you got a homestead hussy. You didn't take notes from the Pastor Ray's pimp. That's right. You didn't go out there and do you didn't go out there and do your due diligence. Um, I've seen guys put in more effort on the next truck they were gonna buy than on the person they chose to marry. And it, it's been yeah. disastrous. And, and guys, if you guys are looking for a woman that is interested in this type of stuff, go to festivals like the Swale Workshop where, you know, like-minded people are going to be going. Self-reliance festival. There have been people who gotten festival. married out of there. Hey, but it doesn't stop there. You actually have to go up and talk to the woman. Yeah, there were guys <laughs> wanting to talk to Nicole Saucet, uh, living free in Tennessee, um, coming up. Hey, you know, is Nicole single? Well, why don't you go over there and talk to her, buddy? Yeah, don't ask me. I don't know. Well, I know, but I ain't telling you. You go I over there. Didn't know until recently. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to get the only there. reason I know is because people kept asking. <laughs> Parenting advice. Okay. Um, well, son, you don't have any experience in this matter, so it's nope. all on me. Um, I made a lot of mistakes as a parent early on, and thank God that he's long suffering and generous and forgiving because. Thanks, Dad. I made well, no, I made I did a lot of things right too. I raised him basically like a soldier. Um, at that point in my life, you know, I had pretty grim view of the world and where it was going. And, um, I didn't realize that it could get a lot worse, but, um, I, I didn't go about a lot of things the right way. So the things I did get right is, um, goodness, I'm, I guess I'm really good at asking for forgiveness, whether from the, from Jesus or whether from my family, that's one thing 
that I know that I've been exceptional at is when I feel that I'm wrong, when I know that I'm wrong, I just won't apologize. I will ask you to forgive me. I will lay myself bare. Think about it. It's one thing to tell somebody I'm sorry. It's another to tell them, I love you. I'm sorry for what I did. Will you forgive me? When you do that, I've even done that on the job, man. You talk about biting up. Man, you talk about swallowing some pride, Jack. Yeah, there's some risks involved on the job if you start apologizing well, it did, and asking for forgiveness. And you do. I mean, and I have. And, you know, frankly, there was one time I, you know, it kind of bit me in the butt. But using that same advice at, at the homestead, look, if you got foolish pride and you can't be the one to apologize and say, hey, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Then, and you know what? Your spouse is going to respect you light years more. You're my son. So, I, I mean, I know I've, in the past I've gone to you and I've apologized and I've asked you to forgive me. Yeah. And it's, it's different when you're asked to be, you know, like it's different when you ask, uh, for forgiveness as well. I mean, it's, um, like you have to get rid of whatever you're holding on to as well and actually forgive the person. It's a two way street. It's a two way street, but that's one thing I learned a long time ago. And, uh, not, not saying you got to be a chump, you know, you're, you're going to apologize for it. I mean, when you're wrong and yeah, you know when you're, you're wrong, wrong, there's one, there's a difference between apologizing when you're wrong and apologizing because a noisy minority demands you to apologize right? for that, something that a true statement. Yeah. For something that, you know, you may not, they may not be justified. So just swallow your foolish pride and it doesn't just apply to your marriage. It doesn't apply to your kids. It also means on your property. It means if you're going in the wrong tact, uh, man, I've seen it so many times where a person's going the wrong way and they stay on that path because of foolish pride. Yeah, I mean, you have to admit when a system isn't working. You have to be able to admit when it's not working, not hold any ego towards it because, I mean, you're experimenting. We're experimenting. All of this is largely an experiment. We don't really know the long-term effects. Well, we do. We do. <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> to an extent. But at the same time, you know, it's everything is trial and error, you know. So let, we got a couple more questions here, son. These are going to require, I think, brief responses. And then we'll go ahead and close it out. But the last one is, what are your pet peeves and your biggest failure? I'll start. Well, you go ahead. Yeah, I got a pet peeve. Well, regarding what? I anything. guess anything. Yeah, it was like people chewing with their mouth open. I can't stand it. That makes me want to. That makes me want to be violent when people are chewing with their mouth open, or if they're chewing and smacking their gum or anything. I will hear it every single time, and it pisses me off every single time. Okay, I can't stand it. Okay, so that's a pet peeve. What's your biggest failure? Oh man, crickets! Dang, Dad. You couldn't have told me this question before. No, no, I don't tell you anything. <laughs> My beforehand. biggest failure, like as far as the farm, well, recent failure, um, planting the comfrey in between the sweet potatoes. I don't think a, that. No, I don't think that's a failure. I think so because that comfrey bounces back way faster than I expected. Like we, okay, if we trim the leaves off the comfrey Monday, we will have to do it again Friday because it bounces back that quickly. It gets too much water. Well, with all this rain coming down right, right now, that's the case. But I watched it when I came back from feeding the pigs. I looked at it, and I got a feeling. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Now, we did plant it a little bit late, so we'll see if that works out. But honestly... And the sweet potatoes have been stunted. Well, I'm also seeing that they're wake, they're working their way in between the comfrey. I think you're going to be shocked. I think they're go I I think you're going so. to be shocked. So I can't wait to see how that experiment I know that was out. kind of a cop-out, but... 
Yeah, that was a oh, don't don't think I didn't notice. Okay, I guess that'll go to me. Uh, that's biggest that's pet, what happens when you give me the question last minute. Well, biggest pet peeve for me, honestly, I sadly I have a few of those. Uh, one of them is straight up laziness. I I I good night. I cannot stand laziness. And man, I've had so many examples of that, and especially as of late, where. You know, I remember years ago working at the VA and there was a guy who was a paraplegic and he was still do. he did his job better than able-bodied people all the way around. Well, there was a period of time with you or it was a long period of time with you where you detested laziness so much that you wouldn't rest. That's true. You didn't take time to rest and that's, we all suffered for that. Day. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> true. And it, and it was unwise, but honestly, there's this stereotype about certain people of color about how lazy and I was never going to be that. So I overcompensated just like I do when it comes to tipping a waiter. There's times where I probably shouldn't have tipped, but when Oprah's doing entire shows on it back in the day, you know, um, yeah. Or when I, oh, Kendrick comes home irritated. Oh my goodness. Yeah. She's, oh, she, man. you know, does a waitress job every once in a while. And, um, and she also works here at the farm for us, but you know, yeah, that's, does. that's somebody that ain't lazy and no. your wife isn't lazy, man. She'll get out there on her days off. She at, works nights at the NICU hospital and get up the next day and is out there helping with us, you know? So no, she will pass out around like two or three Yeah, where she has to crawl up the stairs to go to sleep. But right. <laughs> she's doing a very stressful job as a registered nurse in the NICU and then comes back and even though I'm trying to talk to her like, hey, just why don't you go chill out and lay down? No, man, she's out there getting after it. Yeah, so, she loves the bees. So I love I love hardworking people, and I detest laziness. There's some other things in there I detest too. Bad drivers, you know, it's not bad enough that you don't, that you want to put your life in, you, you want to risk your life, but you're risking everybody else's when you're driving poorly out there. That drives me nuts. My biggest failure, okay. My biggest failure to date and I mean, I got so many of them, but I would say one of the biggest, and I've talked about it briefly in one of the previous podcasts was, um, assuming on more than one occasion that just because they're family, they're good for you. And, um, man, that, that can be, it can be one of the best things in the world. It can be one of the worst. So you're going to have to decide. I mean, my family put the funk and dysfunctional, believe me, I'm not kidding when I say that. So, yeah, dad's side of the family is pretty crazy. Yeah, everybody in that side is definitely crazy. But look, what's not crazy is, you know, spending time doing this podcast, interacting with all of you wonderful folks out there. And look, everybody is out. Not everybody. There is a a very loud minority out there telling you that it's too late. You can't do this. Don't waste your time. We ain't any of those people. Okay. We're yeah. Not- you can start literally. I mean, this, this podcast is going to go up here in a minute. You can start tomorrow. That's in right. The morning. You can start, you know, it is up to each and every one of us to say, to decide really at that moment, like I did that I am this thing today. Tomorrow, I'm going to be something else. Folks, you can do this. You can do it. Go out there and do it. All right, this is Billy and William from the Permaculture Pimpcast. Check us out. If you need anything at the website, we're good. We got it. You can do this, folks. Stay alert. Stay alive. Stay alive.